What's up, everybody? It is Christmas Eve, which means I am grumpy. Also, it is Thursday. <laughs> it's Thursday noon, which means you listen to Ergo Radio. What's up? I'm Dang. And I'm Grumpy, also known as Daniel. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in on this holiday, which for uh, for my people is just another Thursday. Yeah, man. And so we're <laughs> shout out to your people. Too. So we're gonna we're gonna treat it like just another Thursday, which means we have a great great conversation coming your way with a uh, strong voice from Chicago and beyond first off any announcements anything you want to anything you want to plug uh oh today i guess if you are um in chicago right now you should go downtown people are marching it and shutting down the mag mile um this saturday i have an alumni basketball game at morgan park academy high school oh, so you, you out of town oh. ah you gonna miss it i'm going crazy uh you think you're going like for like 35 40 points what are you thinking um i, I think i'm gonna give them i think i'm gonna give them a minimum of like 27 and 8 and 6 27 6 and 8 let's put it like that and 4 4 steals 27 turnovers <laughs> no 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 <laughs> nah, they know they all know what it is over there Absolutely. over there on the head 11 street they, but, ha- they hang your uh, jersey from the rafters not yet, because I still have it. I still have it. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, that's, that's the guy's on the street. I have it at my mama's crib. Oh, I never so gave funny. it back after the season. I'm I'm the same way. We'll get to the get to the same, but I have my um I have my home and my away jersey. I keep my home jersey hanging in New York and my away jersey hanging in my apartment here. The athletic director I actually go back from time to time and she's still like is pesky about it like like as if she's about to like like i'm about to get in trouble and i just like give her a oh stale face because i'm not a fan of her but we are here shots it's, at it's, her. it's, yeah shots, shots at coach preso all the nba people who know know it's shots at coach preso all day um but we're here and i'm super excited i guess it's the the so-called holidays <laughs> and you should sense her family um so so I have my family here. I have the one, the only, legendary comedian, my actual father, Mr. Damon Williams in the building. What's up, Pops? What's up, man? What's up, yeah. man? What's up? Hey, what's happening? All that, yeah. Yeah. We yeah. do our own sound effects. Shots. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> if I actually came in here with a real air horn one of these weeks and played that, we would never have any more listeners because yeah. it would just blast yeah. the hell out of people's yeah. ears. Right. And so we wouldn't be able to interview because we wouldn't be able to hear either. <laughs> Absolutely. And sign language doesn't work that well on the radio. Um, first off, Ooh, thanks. that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I got I get my joke, my one joke out All of All sign early. language radio right here at Ergo. <laughs> hey man, it's a college. starting now. <laughs> no, I think that's a really good point. Honestly, like you know, I think you said Brilliant. it. You said it best. Brilliant. I love it. You like that? <laughs> no, that was that was a good one. I didn't. Sorry, I didn't mean to curse on the air. <laughs> we have a beef with the. <laughs> we have beef with FCC, so all middle figures ride or air go. Uh, so pops, how how you feeling today? What's how your week been? What's 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 been been going on? With Man, you, you know, every day's a good day, brother. I'm glad to be here. Glad to finally uh, be. I was, I was starting to get concerned. Um, <laughs> Ergo been around. How long y'all been doing the show? Like, this is six months. Six months. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm falling out of favor with the Ergo um, age group. And uh, he was like, nah, we can't have your old pops. You're a little old for this. Um, so I'm excited to be here. You know? Nah, man. We just wanted to build. We wanted it no, to be it's all good. A, a better platform for you. You know. Plus, I have, I, I have a bad relationship with your publicist. We go way back. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. My publicist, yeah, yeah. this guy. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> so, so, and also a reason why I wanted to have you because I wanted to at least wait um, till it was pertinent. Uh, you know, it, it's it's December, so that means we got a we got a big tradition coming up. Yes, the seventeenth annual New Year's Eve Star Plaza. Talk about the show. Let let people know where they get tickets. Let people know about the history. Uh- I will do that. For right. for branding's sake, I'll I'll rename it uh, or restate it. It's the 17th annual Damon Williams okay. New Year's Eve Comedy Bash at Star Plaza Theater, starplazatheater.com. Uh, started in 1999, which was uh, really good for New Year's Eve because, you know, it was the turn yeah, of the century. Y2K. They, they, they kind of gave us the black show because they didn't know if the world was going to end. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's like, if we still here, hey, he has a show. Um, no, actually, Charlie Blum and Mark Bishop became good friends of mine. They're the guys who run Star Plaza Theater. Shout out, Mark and Charlie. Real shouts out. Um, after I um, I attended a show with Cedric the Entertainer back in the day, from like 95, possibly, 94, 95, and Cedric was not the headliner, ironically. It was A.J. Johnson who played the crackhead in Friday, Ezel. Um, 
And Marsha Warfield from Night Court was the headliner. Look it up, people. Night Court, like, yeah. Yeah, man. exactly. It was an NBC sitcom. But it, was, it was groundbreaking for her. She was the bailiff on Night Court, uh, which was good for, you know, a black woman in the 80s and 90s to be on a sitcom. Uh, so she was the headliner after Cedric, when Cedric was really a beast in his game. This is when he had just really burst onto the scene. So they did Ezel, they did Sid, then they went to intermission. She came out. And the crowd wasn't with her at all. People were leaving. You know, they were starting to almost boo. And so I was there. And I'm like, man, I ran backstage. Can y'all let me do a few minutes? Because you need me. <laughs> you know, and I had 20 minutes of comedy at the time. I went up and went well. It made the press. It got a lot of you Wait, know, you were love. in the crowd? Yeah. Well, I was there because I knew Cedric and I right. wanted to do a guest spot, but I didn't get there in time to mm-hmm. do it. So being late actually worked in my favor on that day. Uh, and I had all my props. Back then I had props and everything. So I came out. <laughs> I had all my no, props. We, yeah. we can't fast forward. And we'll go back into the crib, but- Indeed. You you were you were doing some prop comedy at the time. Well, I had two things that I did. I did these signs uh, with stupid phrases, and I had a like I had a reveal. Like I would come out and I would look like Easy. I had a curl and a and a cap <laughs> and a starter jacket, but underneath I wear a suit. Mm-hmm. So I like you know I'm, I'd be like West Side in the house, and thank God I'm from the South Side. And when I reveal, the crowd would go nuts. So that was my signature opening bit, which endeared me to the crowd that night. Subsequently, I became friends with those guys, and a couple years later, they came and got me. Or- yeah. So, uh, you know, like I said, we'll go back into the, you know, evolution of the career and everything. But I think what the people <laughs> really want to start with. Okay. Uh, was Junior over here ever a bedwetter? <laughs> oh, no. I- I'll answer. Absolutely. <laughs> you could ask me that weeks ago. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring it up. <laughs> no, no, okay. I mean, but he, it was hereditary. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I-, I passed it down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, most of the most brilliant people in the world peed in the bed. Trust me. Yeah, no, um, that's, that's just science. Indeed. Yeah. It is scientific fact. But I'll give you a story about that. Mm-hmm. We had summer camp. And, you know, as a counselor, you know, I was a volunteer counselor. And we went away and I knew every once in a while he could have this issue. So I would get up before everybody and I'd snatch his sheets so nobody knew in the camp. How sweet. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's love right there. Them, yeah. Those sheets still in under, if they look for the sheets, you know, the ceiling panels that, <laughs> <laughs> this, the sheets are on the ceiling panel. I heard, uh, I heard that camp actually got shut down. Everyone got yeah. poisoned by the odor. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they thought it was a terrorist attack <laughs> of ammonia. So let's take it all the way back to the beginning. Uh, okay. You're uh, you're from Chicago, correct? Born all and raised all the way back. Where uh, where in the city did you grow up? Initially, Inglewood. Uh, it's my first memories. I went to Dumas Elementary uh, for kindergarten and possibly first grade because they kind of gave me a double. They kind of bumped me up, uh, which is Dumas is right on Marquette, and mm-hmm. then uh, we moved on up. My mother got us into the Beverly area, uh, which is now Brainerd. They moved the signs up a few blocks. We <laughs> <laughs> got too black around there. It's actually when you moved in, they moved the yeah, signs. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit after that. Um, yeah, they so, so don't consider that Beverly. No, no it's more. no longer Beverly, indeed. So, um, and I thought I just thought that was so bogus. In, um, in like thirty years, Beverly's just going to be one house. <laughs> indeed, one house, a historic Beverly house. Yeah. Um, so it's, we, it's a B and B. It probably is by now. Yeah. So we, uh, you know, we we had a good middle class come up at that point uh Wendelee Green Elementary then we went to uh, St. Margaret of Scotland when my mother had a few extra dollars she sent us to a Catholic school thinking that would be a better choice and then her and my stepdad uh, who I thought was my dad broke up and so I went back to public school <laughs> for eighth grade to graduate um but yeah so that was my come up man 95th street right off Ashland still the hood right now so we, we asked this to a bunch of folks um but thinking back like any particular like personal landmarks so the places when you think of home or you think of childhood like what are a couple of sites smells uh particular spots that to you like just mean childhood home um let's see well 95th street there's a church called third baptist church it's very huge but it used to be a movie theater it used to be the beverly theater and that's where i, I first put my finger in a girl um <laughs> <laughs> can you say that here yeah. uh, <laughs> nobody's listening right um, that's, yeah. we get away with it all yeah. there you go uh, <laughs> and you know we used to, i used to watch bruce lee movies there man so 95th right on ash and third baptist church used to be a, a movie theater did you do the time. deed in a bruce lee movie no, uh, but that is where I perfected my patented sweeper kick. <laughs> you were a karate aficionado for those who Man, don't know. Man, who don't know? If you don't know, trust me. Uh, before I even took karate classes, because, um, you know, we were definitely trying to do that because, you know, we went to all the karate movies. And back then, you can go to the movies for a dollar and you could stay in the theater. They didn't rotate you out. And it was t- double and triple theater, you know, triple headers. You know, you could watch three movies. You come out and, and it's be- you're squinting because yeah, yeah. you've been in the dark so long. Uh, you and on, the, the whole martial arts form. Yeah, and on Sundays, um, 
your parents used to drop their kids off at the theater. That's when they could get it in because they know you're going to be there three, four movies. <laughs> Real talk. You can come home and see, you know, the remnants of the get it in. <laughs> the remnants. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can see the, the crab scene. It was, it was obvious. It's actually, there were chalk outlines. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, yellow tape and everything. Sorry, mama. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So that was that was that was like one of my great childhood memories, and and then back then, you know, we would do stuff like bike riding, you know, like as a group, maybe like twenty of us, and we ride from Ninety Fifth Street to the Forest Preserve. That seemed like a journey to Eighty Seventh and Dan Ryan Woods, and we ride down the Toboggan Hill on our bikes, and you know, half of us would ride on handlebars. So some people didn't have bikes. I actually built my bike. You know, we would do built stuff your like bike. Yeah, man. You know, I, they bought me a bike, right? You're low key, like super handy. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest. So, you know, they bought me, but they bought me a big junky 10 speed, right? It was a chunky bike, and I wanted a polo, you know, which is a, you know, I don't know if y'all know what polo is. I know. Like, yeah, it's the not it's even school. a little bit. Yeah. It's the bikes with the high handlebars and the oh, big okay. seat on the right, back. Right, you know, right, you remember right, polo right. versus. So, polo would be closer to like a mountain bike now. Uh, maybe not. Uh, (laughs) but yeah so give me so if you watch any old movies like you know 70s movies they had a polo so I I had to go get a frame and then I had to find some wheels and you know then we would tape up our handlebars and put stuff in our spokes and all that did you also build a car before I built my car Let me explain. I, I had a mini bike. He's also built a house. He yeah. built a boat. No, you're right. He built the WHBK recordings. Built, built exactly. a railroad. Yeah, built a record label. Uh, built the sun, who is now on the radio. Uh, I had a mini bike. So, like, I had, I bought, found a mini bike frame, and then I had to order, like, it was like a lawnmower engine. And you put those, the Briggs and Stratton, you put that on the mini bike, and then you, I ordered my parts from catalogs and, and put my mini bike together. Then when it got to a car, you know, your uncle um, left me a car when he was unfortunately a part of the prison yeah, uh, industrial complex which uh was not <laughs> the uh, language. done by the man it was done by his crime um he was guilty um but he had a car a 1970 eldorado but the whole front end was 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 shot and you know it needed shocks and all type of parts so me and my buddy marcus thomas may he rest in peace uh would go to the junkyard and different parts stores and event as i had the money we put on part by part until i got the car so one thing about this car was a front wheel drive car and you need to have wheel alignment. Okay, well, you can't do a wheel alignment in the garage between <laughs> me and him. So the car would ride sideways. So, <laughs> so that's the actually, first, that's why people started leaning with it. Yeah, it was against the lean by choice. <laughs> I mean, by force. So my, I had a job as a courier taking packages to the, to O'Hare Airport. And, you know, I get on the express lanes and I'm swerving into people's lane. I had this girl, I'm like, why don't you ride with me on my route today? You know, I just got my car running. And, man, she said, I'll never ride again with you in that car for the rest of my life. <laughs> It was crazy. <laughs> That's funny. That it's is, true. <laughs> I'm learning stuff here. We're going to take a break. Let us catch our breath. Uh, man, this looked like you found something from the craze from Kanye. Yeah, man. This uh, is a, so there's a song on his second record um, with Adam Levine called Homecoming. Um, but that's, the, that's third. It's on graduation. That's on graduation. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah. See, I need to be fact checked every once in a while cool, too. Cool. But the uh, the original version of that song, which we're about to play, which is just called Home parentheses Windy, uh, features John Legend, and it's one of my Kanye favorites. All right, all right. Uh, I went to the craze. This is so appropriate. We at the crib. WHBK Ergo Radio. This is home. Kanye. I want to tell you a story about. It's like a love story. Can't hurt. Excuse me, little homie, I know you don't know me, but uh-huh. My name is Wendy, and yo, I like to blow trees, and from that point, I never blow her off. Come from out of town, I like to show her off. They like to act tough, she like to tone them off. And make them straighten up their hat, cause she know they soft. And when I grew up, she told me how to go downtown, and at nighttime, her face lit up. 
so astounding I told her in my heart is where she always be She never mess with entertainers cause they always leave She said it feel like they walk and drove on me Knew I was gang affiliated, got on TV and told on me I guess that's why last winter she got so cold on me She said, yeah, keep making that platinum and gold for me But if you really care for Then you wouldn't have never hit the airport To follow your dreams Sometimes I still talk to her But when I talk to her It always seems like she talk about me She said you left your kids And they just like you They wanna rap and make soul beats just like you But they just not you And I just got through Talk about what you're trying to do Just not new Now everybody got the game figured out all wrong I guess you never know what you got till it's gone I guess it's why I'm here and I can't come back Home. And guess when I heard that? When I was back home In the interview, I'm representing you, making you proud Shoot for the stars, so if you fall, you land on a cloud Jump in the crowd, spark the light and wave them around If you don't know by now, I'm talking about Shot town Go ahead and roll it up and pass the rounds Ladies, been a lot of books going down okay. A lot of soldiers ain't make it through this uh-huh. year So let's just celebrate that we still here And what? That was home from Kanye. This is Ergo Radio with Dan and Damon. We're here with legendary comedian and my father, Mr. Damon Williams. I appreciate always hearing uh, joints like that, especially like things that you like hear the final version of to like hear people's process and hear people's progress. Like you probably yeah. made that in the college dropout days. Yeah, you know, I mean, to see him work with the song. Yeah, basically to know the samples too, uh, like you know to know the original songs that they use at times. It's, it's also beneficial. Like, wow, they flipped that. Yeah. You you recognize? I don't know what the sample on that is. I have no idea either. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I was talking about in, in, in general. It's yeah, cool. in general. Yeah, because yeah. you you pulled out a deep one on that one. Cause yeah. I'm mad that you knew that song by Kanye, and I call myself a Kanye dude, and I had never heard that. I'm not even from Chicago. Yeah, the white, the white yeah, Jewish well. kid from the Bronx show you up. That's how it goes. <laughs> That's how this work you is. Step into the step into the terror dome. You know you don't know what's about to happen. Hey, guy with the school. Two men enter, one man leaves. <laughs> so yeah, we. I'm we, the only one not named Damon Williams. I have to hold my peace. <laughs> yes, we do got a. It's a Damon Williams gang here. We yes. do got a the D dub. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's so let's get into uh you know y- y- your career as a well or just kind of your your f- position in the city. Uh, you know. One, many people don't know, Uh-oh. the Gucci D days. Yeah. The, the he, might, he might, he yeah. might know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he might have dug in the crates. But you know, you you know, you had a um a position in the street and a position in the world that like gave you a non traditional entry onto the stage into comedy. So you wanna talk about like everything? Go uh, as much yeah, go ahead. Go all right, ahead. Let's, let's let's go back. All right, so my brother, as I mentioned, went away to prison uh, when I was eight, 16 years old. And at this time, also, my mother was a single mom and she had, had to go through uh, Chapter 13 bankruptcy, which means they were taking 85% of her pay before she oh. got it. Yeah. So we basically had to live off that. And that's nothing. So that being the, the, the case, if in order for her to keep her home, she had to keep making keeping that payment. So she would come home some days. I see her crying because her check would be almost nothing, like just bus fare, you know. So at that point, it's like, how are we gonna eat this week? So I, you know, my brother had taught me a few skills on the weed sales, and I was selling a little weed here and there. Um, but then as I continued to sell weed, I found out that people. To sell weed don't really make a lot of money. <laughs> it was like I had sold all no this weed, margin on the weed. And I, I I got the money I put into the weed. Uh but it helped me um actually because I, you know, I I was thugging a little bit and I, I decided to change my life around 16, 17 and try to go back to school because I had dropped out. Um but my pops, you know, who I met when I was 13, um, started to come back to my life because the reason why he was able to is because mom had split up with right. stepdad, so to speak. With Mr. Williams. Yeah, who gave <laughs> us our name, which we might change. Uh, we're Wilborns by blood in this building. Um, so anyway, so now there's four people in this room with you. I was thinking about changing my name before the show. I'm glad I didn't because if you guys are going to make a revision, I'm not trying to do that again. Well, there you go. <laughs> you know? So so that being said, you know, I hustled a little bit and, um, and then I found out about the... Um, the powder situation in America. Um, so to put it in context, yes. around what year are we talking? Yeah, about? Yeah, we're talking so I say the 80s, yeah, 82, 83. Um, 
I kind of stepped it up a little bit, and that's when I first saw Eddie Murphy do. Let me tell you about the cocaine experience in my life, okay? Because you all know it was legalized by the Iran Contra situation. Right. It was being flooded into the market, and that's yeah. why you know yeah. I was able to prosper from it. I know this to be true fact because I used to get mine when I really stepped up. It had still had the scorpion on it, so it was coming directly from Columbia and all that. The guys um, talk about good branding. Yes, yeah, like I'm just job. trying to tell you they had the scorpion. If you had the scorpion and it, the seal wasn't cut, you know it came directly. So that being said. Let's start off with the small part. Um, so I, I'm, I'm the first time I saw Eddie Murphy Delirious, the irony of this, is the first time I ever saw cocaine in person. Okay. Had a cousin, and he was a, pur- a purveyor of such. And he was real classy, but it wasn't like crack. It was no crack and no free base, and it was powder. So politicians and doctors was in the elite situation. Yeah, it was sweet. All right. So, yeah. So I was like, well, let me try. I went half on a bag of 20. They used to have quarterbacks. I, I'm sorry this is going out already. No, what the hell? Let's no, teach it. the people. So it's a 20, I, I bought a quarterback. I split it with a guy, and we had some St. Pauli girl beers and some weed. So we smoked a little weed. Took the beer, and I took a little bump of the cocaine. I said, so I'm waiting for it to do something. All it did is made my nose run and made my face feel frozen. But I ain't getting no additional boost. So I'm like, if that's what that do, you can have mine back. So I sold what I had left for $10. I bought for $12.50. I used $2.50 worth of cocaine, <laughs> and I sold the rest for 10 And I never used it no more because it didn't work for me. But I saw that once people were using it, they kept coming back for it. So some guys I know around the neighborhood were doing uh, insurance scabs, all right? Mm, yeah, so they multi-hustles. would- Multi-hustles. Yeah, let me tell you how, <laughs> what they would do. They would take cars and stop in front of people. Bam, you hit the back of my car, make a little small fender bender. Everybody hurt in the car. It'd be four or five heads <laughs> in the car. I'll tell you, go to the lawyer. The lawyer pays you per head, plus the little fender bender would be once. Now, this back in the day before it was computerized uh, license registration. So you put the temporary tag in the back of your window, Put the name on that. Then you take that same car, put another temporary tag, another group of people. You hit the car about three or four times, okay? Now you got four or five lawsuit cases. Mm -hmm. Then you take the car and bang it into a pole. So (laughs) now you got major damage when you take it into the claims of justice. Mm -hmm. These guys were making three and $4,000 checks, you know, and they were doing cocaine. So I'm like, (laughs) okay, I got the cocaine. (laughs) You know, and they were spending money. They keep coming back. So that's when they started to actually cook it and freebase and use it in that way. And it was so addictive that they would come back. So I rose from, you know, a 16th to eight ball to a quarter to... Anyway, (laughs) I started getting weight, you know, but I had people doing it for me. This is good because people have those crazy holiday bills and they're going to have to figure out some way to cover those credit cards. Man, let me say, and this is how I learned a metric system. Anyway, uh, (laughs) that being said, I knew that that's not what I wanted to do for all of my life, but I had to go. I wanted to try to get my brother out of prison, even though he was guilty. If you have the right lawyer, you could still be the case around here or at least get it reduced. And I wanted to open my own business because I did not want to work for a living for the rest of my life. So I had a job, City Hall. Right? Ain't right. that crazy? You was at City Hall while, City you, Hall, while during, you was making these moves? Pri- prior to and during the uh, Harold Washington administration. You were the, uh, you had the certificate, the exclusive contract for crack, for Coke selling <laughs> in City Hall? Never that's crack, probably, sir. That's Never crack. Crack is whack. Absolutely. To quote. Okay. That's one of the PSAs yes. on the board right now. But I definitely um, had a few customers throughout the building. Seems like good business um, today. It yeah. was, because I was hanging out with politicians and such, you know, and I would go to fundraisers and campaign events and things of that nature, and everybody knew, you know, I had to listen up. But I was suit and tie and at work every day. So I said, okay, I got to get out of this thing. So I ended up taking that and eventually opened a subway. Now, the thing that's very, very fortuitous for the subway situation fortuitous. Yes, is the fact that <laughs> from the I met. Fortuitous. <laughs> yeah, drop out from high school. That's right. I met this young man's mother. She worked across the street from the location of my subway. My subway was 185 North Wabash. She worked right across the street at one something else. Lake Street, okay, because Wabash and Lake was the corner. So I saw her. Um, so actually, she had a friend. We had a mutual friend. She came in and said, I'm going to show my support. She's ghost out the store. Came back in another time. I'm like, you know, her hair was down. The whole different ladies talking. I'm like, who are you? You're beautiful. And she's like, I'm April. I met you early. I'm like, whoa. So <laughs> she used to jog on her lunch break, okay? And I had a bounty out. I'm like, if anybody see old girl running, you get a bonus on your check if you point her out to me and I get a chance to holler at her. So I eventually caught up with her. And employee incentives, I like it. Indeed, indeed. Because I had a subway. I was 25 with a subway, so all my employees were younger. So it was the hip-hop subway. We had a ball in that spot. It was right across the street from here at Washington College. Thusly, I took that and I said, okay, I wanted to try rap. 
So I took a few of my proceeds and tried to do a rap label. Steve Silk Hurley, Grammy, non- you was Grammy Jay-Z nominated. Before Jay-Z. Yeah. <laughs> Grammy non- nominated producer, Steve Silk Hurley, produced my first track. We used the Queen sample of Don't uh, Another One Bites the Dust called Don't Bite the Dust. I was Gucci D because I used to wear a bunch of Gucci gear. We gotta get we talked about this before. We gotta we find we gotta to. find we gotta, it's a copy at your house. Yeah. That, there's one there's in there. Wax, there's wax in there. Yeah. This is the oh, official uh, yeah. theme we got song. Turntables right here. We, we will bring the Gucci D. We bring it to you. You never heard it, have you? When I was a shorty, okay. I heard it, but yeah. I heard this is back. But see, back actually, in the day. Gucci D was a hip house. I just house. got a record player too, so I could listen to it. At I home. saw that. Yeah. So it's a hip house track, you know, because that's was a, the thing in Chicago. I'm trying to bring back the hip house. Yeah, hip house would be a good thing. <laughs> so um, I have other tracks that I felt more um, actually proud of. I had one called The Syndrome, which is about the plight of Black America and things in the neighborhood. It was, you know, um, but they try to dance out here, pops. Ain't nobody yeah. try to hear about no, all that. Yeah, but this one, this one ain't a dance. But no, it was it was a cold track with Lockers and Messina, uh, Pathway to Glory. And, like we're trying to get sandwiches, yeah. we're trying to dance. Don't bring all that. Other stuff. And that's the funny thing. So, all right, I opened my subway. I kept it for two years. I sold it because it wasn't working for me. And I heard some guys talking about uh, all jokes aside, Adele Givens Wednesday night open mic, and I went and tried it. And thusly, I'm here as comedian Damon Williams. But the funny thing is. Um, when I first started doing stand-up, you know, I, people would recognize me on the street. This lady walked up to me like, hey, I know you. I'm like, yeah, you know, do a little comedy. She's like, no, you used to give me extra mail at your subway. Everybody used to come in, da 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 I'm like, oh, I'm not famous yet. Okay. So that so, was a funny so thing. So people know you from the streets, from City Hall. Yeah, 95th from, Street. From Subway. Yes. And then, all before the stage. So before we go for I think we're going to take a, a break in a second. Oh, I, I should have brought some Gucci game. D. We could have had Oh, it. man. Yeah, I'm salty yeah. that I That's didn't right. even think about it. We got to get it up. We got to get on the follow-up. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I did look for it on the internet because yeah. I, I came across he, We've talked about it and I've been trying to find it. Well, it like, was a, it was an independent track. And yeah, you I, didn't make Spotify. Sorry about no, that. No, no, no. I didn't do that at all. In fact, this was when you distributed your own out the trunk. You know, yeah. So I went to uh, George's Music Room, had them. George Daniels, Ooh, legendary wow. dude. <laughs> and Fletcher's. Fletcher's was a record store on, on the south side. Uh, yeah, no. and they used to, I don't know where they located, like on Racine somewhere, I think, but they were a big distributor yeah. for the south side record store. So he distributed them as well. So, and one of your friends found it up north on yeah, Wax somewhere. Yeah, so, yeah. Crazy. Let's yeah. do some music, man, but, and but, come back and talk but about it. But also, others. I just want to say uh, publicly, and I've told you before, like, you know, I'm really like proud of you. Like, that's a, a, as your son, that's an amazing story in the life that you have created for me with that like not going the the doctor lawyer route you know what i'm saying like yeah. you know and surviving i could i consider us as a family like drug war survivors because you know they they could have took you out man <laughs> a lot of people did, but see that's the make, thing you know it's a way to do everything man and i handle my business in such a way that i was very low-key until i started buying porsches and stuff um <laughs> going by the name gucci <laughs> right well by then i was but, almost ready to quit but you know? compared to compared to your yeah your my, people, my buddies they, they was, was, they was, was riding, and i went to work every day i had a suit and tie job so if you're gonna be in some illegal activity at least have a way to prove your kids. income <laughs> yeah, yeah. kids like, <laughs> drug dealing just to get <laughs> your money till they get <laughs> right. but we gonna take don't a break. do that this has been a uh it's been a a a, 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 a tough week for for chicago arts yeah. and hip-hop uh first and foremost rest, rest in peace uh timothy jones dj timbuktu let's definitely uh, take a moment yeah, for that yeah, yeah. timbuktu uh, was a great dj and a great dude yeah young legend in the city and also, uh, yesterday, tragically, but also miraculously, uh, one of my favorite rappers, King Louie, got shot in the head. Um, but he survived and, and, and was up later that day. Oh, great. And, and, and was talking. Uh, so, wow. Yeah, over what, 83rd and like Pulaski. What kind of bullets they use? Man, I don't know. They they got wound bullets? Like, like, <laughs> they're, not, they're not fatal yeah, guns. Not, yeah, just yeah, I heard, I heard, I heard it was the, the dreads that, that saved them. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's no hope for me. <laughs> this dome it's wide open yeah what's the option the and I'm not making fun of the fact that bro yeah, yeah, I just he's alive. it's my, it's my yeah, jokes yeah. my job to do jokes any of the ops from the 80s here that's uh, no you still out here they, they coming for you yeah and I need the people to um that's got the bullets let's do the kind of bullets they use the wound bullets where you just so it's a warning I'm not trying to kill you I'm gonna give you some stitches a little heat but you can still make more songs yeah. and survive raise your kids and stuff so, wound bullets let's get those circulating all Chicago kinds lab. of advice on the air today yeah got, <laughs> how to sell coke no <laughs> no it would literally I didn't tell work. you how I told you that I did it was it was that masterpiece if you wanna know how hit me on Instagram <laughs> Damon Williams comedy so we go we go take a break we live and die in Chicago King Louis, I think it's appropriate. Yeah. 
smoke up with the riders. Do a slide when we ride up. Stay inside or get fired up. So live and die in Chicago. Green light is a go. If I tell them to blow, I keep that metal close. That's how we ride in Chicago. I smoke dope with the riders. Do a slide when we ride up. Stay inside or get fired up. To live and die in Chicago. Green light is a go. If I tell them to blow, I keep that metal close. That's how we ride in Chicago. I was made in Chicago. I got paid in Chicago. Out of town getting counting perfusions of mouth, then it's back to Chicago. Been to Perry, LA, NY to me, they all great. But they not like Chicago. When them Texas poetic niggas turn into bitches like Chicago. Ah, Mellow Mahalo. Bay hits, them hitters, it be at your address to see you tomorrow. Flexing, cutting up, they calling me Zara. She got some explaining to do your boo calling me Ricky Ricardo I be free on shorty, all I need is more weed I get money like Marlo My name is Louis, but they call me Tony The God of Chicago Got drillers for hitters, some real cool ass niggas That ride just like Tara The away ain't no almost To live and die in Chicago I smoke up with the riders Do a slide when we ride up Stay inside or get fired up To live and die in Chicago Green light is a go. If I tell them to blow, I keep that metal close. That's how we ride in Chicago. I smoke dope with the riders. Go slide when we ride her. Stay inside or get fired up. To live and die in Chicago. Green light is a go. If I tell them to blow, I keep that metal close. That's how we ride in Chicago. They say you can make it anywhere if you make it in Chicago. Alright. So don't take offense when I speak about murders and bitches, etc. I'm just speaking Chicago. The media people just eat it up, but really we want Chicago. Niggas be frontin', they moon on, they can't even come to Chicago. And they from Chicago. Murder cappy of America, no murder rate like Chicago. My city influenced my country, can't get away from Chicago. They ask me, Louis, you gon' leave? No, I'm gon' stay in Chicago. I'm the heart of Chicago. I go hard for Chicago. You pop in my city, get popped in my city, Tupac of Chicago. But I'm still alive though. Turn OIT Pyro. Don't you come to Chicago. You get lost in Chicago. I smoke though with the riders. Do a slide when we ride up. Stay inside or get fired up. To live and die in Chicago. Green light is a go. If I tell them to blow. I keep that metal close. That's how we ride in Chicago. I smoke dope with the riders. Go slide when we ride up. Stay inside or get fired up. To live and die in Chicago. Green light is a go. If I tell them to blow, I keep that metal close. That's how we ride in Chicago. Much love to Louie and his family and the whole movie squad and, and the city as we, we are healing and we're living uh, and, you know, I don't know, trying not to die in, in Chi- Chicago. In Chicago. Yeah. Um, I go hard for Chicago. <laughs> I'm not leaving Chicago. Hey, that hey. is my motto. I Ooh. get the bottle. I Ooh. do Chicago. Yeah. I'm straight from the side. Yeah. I meant to say shy. Woo! But I've been drinking. I might be high. <laughs> I'm on the radio here in Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> with the freestyle, but we we gonna have to rip that and put that on the mixtape. That might be the first like actual off the top because we do live performances every week, but people bring written. That might you might be the first one who actually brought it's it. What, it's the Gucci Dita, man. So Absolutely, you know I mean? hey, yeah. we brought it all the way back. So so we talked about the uh, transition, um, but but let's like talk about actually. You know, how did you how did you first get on stage? How did you have that comfort? How did you find your way in the city? Because from from your start to when you were working and when you were at least locally prominent, if not nationally, was not mm-hmm. was not that long of a of a, of a ride. Well, so, so fortunately for me, man, and those who started with me, um, even if they love or hate, um, <laughs> <laughs> there was outlets because Def Comedy Jam came around. So, like I said, my first exposure to seeing a black comedian uh, perform really raw material was seeing Eddie Murphy's Delirious that day back in the day. Um, but in the 90s with HBO, uh, Def Comedy Jam came about in 90, like 91, maybe 92. Um, that gave us 
the hope to do it because there are people right in Chicago that were on HBO. And I'm like, wow, this dude is down the street, you know? So if they did it, I could do it. So like I said, I met uh, my subway. I had a guy who came in from the athletic center. Uh, he was a membership director and he said he would give us subway. I mean, gym memberships if he gave him free sandwiches every once in a while for his staff. So that gave me an opportunity to go play in this club. And this club was very prominent. It's still right there at, um, Right at the end of yeah, walk, yeah, you know, know anyway, about, athletic like, center. Lake, it's, it's, athletic something, something, that's something. What, it's, it's, a, it's a, a prominent spot. So Jordan used to go there and work out. He was still playing. You know, that's all crazy. the NBA players. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I actually talked to Mike and I gave him one of my subway cards. Like, I know I had to interrupt him during the set. Like, I don't mean to bother you, but here's my card. If you ever want to sandwich or something, you don't have to come in. Just call the store. We'll run him out to the car. Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, get away from me, kid. Um, <laughs> I heard he would bet bills on how many benches he could do, correct? Uh, I didn't do all that. Um, but... There was nobody. He was working out by himself. It was because it was an elite club. So it was like you know, when when teams came to town, they would practice there. They work out there. Anyway, some guys. I was on a, a league team there, and some guys were talking about this chick Adele Givens, and you know the big lip girl from the HBO, and she was at you know all jokes aside. So I went somewhere else and tried it the night before on a Tuesday. Um, subsequently, I ran into a guy who turns out to be my first cousin, George Wilborn, mm. who was the house MC of all jokes. Now, Dad had told me he had a nephew, but I'd never met him. I went to this spot called Russell's uh, Close Up Piano Bar um, to try it before I went to the real comedy club because I heard they do open mic. So I could try it first. And then I ran to George, so he thrust me right into the limelight of all mm-hmm. jokes. He said, man, you my cousin. Let's go tomorrow. I'm going to get you on the mic. How'd that first night go, though? The one like, the, the, first tues- night, the Tuesday. The Tuesday was kind of corny. I mean, you know, I had jokes about that everybody has, like when you vacuum and why when we run the vacuum cleaner, you pick something up and the vacuum misses it. So you reach down, you pick it up, look at it, throw it back down, then suck it up with the vacuum cleaner. That was one of my jokes, you know. <laughs> and I've seen many other comics do that. It's just common experiences. I don't remember what the rest of my set was, but I know the next day, I that night, I was so energized, I went and wrote some jokes. So I know one of my first jokes that I'm proud of um, was that's when like independent ladies was a big theme, and it's like all these independent ladies. So I'm like, yeah, I had an independent lady, you know, and and I found out it was cool, you know, she had her own place, her own job, her own car, all this, until Bill showed up. And when I say <laughs> no, I said William showed up, oh. and William is Bill, as in Bill's like a motherfucker, <laughs> you know. And it, they laugh. I'm like, oh y'all laughing. I actually said on the tape, which I have on VHS, oh y'all laughing, huh? But I actually said you must laughing, right? And so I, I took that VHS all around, showed everybody. Look, I did stand up, and I got to my mother's house, and I forgot I was cursing a lot. Mm. So my mom's super saved, you know, she's extra Christian. And um, what year? What year was that when when she when when she made that that transition? Oh, she when she became before. Christian. Uh, I was still living there, so seventies or eighties. No, it was eighties. It had to be well. Let me see if I was still living there. I was eighteen when I left. Seventeen, eighteen. So it had to be like eighty, maybe nineteen eighty. Okay. Yeah. So she she flipped the game. So, and, but 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 and what, miraculously, but how, go, yeah. Because my mother used to drink, smoke. You know, she was an alcoholic and a, and a, she was sprung on cigarettes. And she went to church that day, and she never had a. She's not had a drink or a cigarette since. So she quit immediately. Mm. Yeah. So. That was a, that was a miraculous thing that that made me say okay there's something real here. Yeah, yeah. Word, word. Uh, so 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 you were uh, so what, how was her reaction when she first when she first saw the tape? Well, she was cool, you know, with it. But um, my mother's first uh, issue I, she had with me was when I wanted to leave City Hall, you know, mm. to do the franchise. Um, that was prior to stand up. I had a job. She like you don't leave a good city job, you know. Why would you leave a good city job? And I was like, Ma, because, you know, I think I could do better with my life. And I really had to make a decision because they wouldn't allow me to take a leave of absence to open my franchise. I had took in, taken one the year before. And so uh, they told me if I didn't come in by Friday, I had took a week off. They said, if you don't come in by Friday, you're fired. So that Thursday, I went to work. I sat in that office on the, in the middle floor between three and four at City Hall, and I made a life decision. I said, if I looked around the room and I saw people had been working there 30, 40 years, and I said, if I stay here, I'll be here like these people. And I went up at lunchtime and I resigned. And that's when I decided, you know, to go chase the subway thing. And then I got into comedy. As comedy went, the second night, like I said, the first night was dry. Second night was decent. Um, There was a guy, uh, may he rest in peace, James Hanna. He controlled the list for signups. So every week afterwards, I got the hype for it. You know, I want to go back up. And he blocked me about three weeks in a row. (laughs) You know, and I bought tickets for people to come see me and everything. And, um... So he made me earn it, but I eventually got on that stage and I became actually the host after Adele left. I became the host of that Wednesday night, and that's what turned my career around because 
it was the hottest spot in Chicago at the time. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about because you know there you hear stories about all jokes aside and it being kind of this legendary, remarkable, unique room in the city. But like, what was the feel? What was the role it served for the city? Especially while you were well, was the guy there for if, if you think about um, like if you listen to New York hip hop in the late '80s and they talk about the clubs and the spots where they used to go, where all the rappers came, and this was if you came, if you made your stripes there, you were going around the country and do your thing. Or like in the '90s, like the tunnel is an example. Like Let's, if your record plays in the tunnel, if you made it in the tunnel or you get a freestyle in the tunnel, bam! All jokes aside, when I'm telling you, Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock. George Wallace, these are these people I can Steve remember. Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey, all four kings of comedy, uh, Simply Marvelous, uh, Michael Collier. Oh, Sinbad, um, maybe? Huh? Sinbad, you ever go? Sinbad, hey. um, Carlos Mencia, um, every major comedian from the urban stance, and then a few white comics. Um, man, my guy, I wish I could think of his name. He passed away too. Hilarious white guy. Came to my Wednesday night and just flipped it over. It was ridiculous. Uh Ah, I'll think of it. I'll, I'll think. Anyway, anyway, this was tweet the place. us. We'll, we'll tell people that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the, on the replay. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna play your. We're gonna play your single, and then we'll talk about the white guy. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, everybody came through here. So, like for instance, Chris Rock after Saturday Night Live, after CB4, his career t- took a dip because yeah. they, they they wanted him to be the next Eddie Murphy, and he hadn't done a special yet. He came to All Jokes Aside to work on his special. The joke he did about uh, O.J. Simpson when he said, I ain't saying he should have killed her, but I understand. He worked that set out at All Jokes for seven shows, and I hosted that show. Uh, so I had access to people like that, Eddie Griffin. you know. So Chris and I, in fact, your mom had a Corsica, Dan. And Chris and I would go out afterwards. I'm trying to find him spots, you know, but I only knew like the click, um, Chick Ricks. Uh, these are old school uh, black spots. And Chris had been all over the world. So he was like, man, if this is lousy in here, you know, he's <laughs> like, man, if my, if my, my woman, he wasn't even married at the time. If my woman knew I was out and these are the chicks I was hanging out with, she'd be mad just about that. And so he's like, man, take me to the hotel. But I tried my best to show Chris Rock a good time. <laughs> Um, did he know how because you hear stories or you see video of him on stage in the 80s or whatever and he's doing the thing where he just holds the microphone and basically like squints at the audience like he doesn't know how to do that performance thing yet Right. like so now this is in that moment post the beginning of Def Jam where he's trying to kind of figure it out well no he he had figured it out I mean he was like I said he had already been on SNL by then but his set that week was so powerful that it became that special and that special catapulted him and he chose to come to All Just Aside because he knew he needed a place to go where it's a club environment. And, he, and here's the funny part. We're in the back in the green room. The green room, people, if we don't know, is where the comics and artists chill during. You know, I think we know so what the green room is. Yeah, just, just <laughs> a little, little inside baseball for the listeners. Some, you may have some laymen. Um, we're in the green room. From Damon to layman. Chilling. Woo, woo. I like that. Hey, bars. Um <laughs> And he's down, like he's moping. And I'm like, dude, the place is packed out. You can't get another body in the room. There's a line around the building for the next show and the next show. And I'm like, what is wrong with bro? He's like, man, I'm here. So his thing was he felt like he had failed because he had already been on Saturday Night Live and he should have been Eddie Murphy. And he's in a, a comedy club that holds 300 people. But that 300 people in that comedy club catapulted his career because he worked it out there. So I feel like we could go forever on this this is the like right. the downside of it being not the podcast thing where okay we could just talk for five hours mm-hmm. i want to jump real quick to uh the work you so i'm rambling what you're saying <laughs> no okay. i want to <laughs> ramble okay, okay, i want to okay, ramble okay, forever okay, this kidding. is like yeah. my favorite thing in the world let's do it um but looking at the kings of comedy folks who i know you okay. you, you open with them yeah yeah that's another thing that came because of all jokes aside i, I developed relationships with dl hughley and the other kings dl's road manager alvin morris recommended me to Walter Latham as the guy to open the Chicago show. He actually called me and said, look, I'm going to tell Walter about you. He's looking for a local comic in every market. Mm -hmm. So I was going to do the Chicago show. But Walter said he needed a guy for Detroit because they couldn't find anybody at the time. No one's funny in Detroit. There's a lot of funny guys in Detroit. (laughs) Foolish, uh, (laughs) shouts out, Kool-Aid, shouts out, Howie Bell, uh, Mike Bonner, and even Spanky. Spanky's on Wild and Out. Anyway, um... (laughs) So I did the Detroit show, Joe Louis Arena. He said, if you do well, then I let you, I might let you do Chicago. Because they always think to give you a bone to pretend like they're doing you a favor, which they were, but still in token, you're still doing a job. So um, I did well. Uh, he gave me Chicago. 
then as they they noticed they couldn't find consistent good comics of a caliber to be on the stage like that in each city so they decided to split the tour between myself and comedian mike Britt, who went by mike b at the time well so we're splitting the shows it's 31 shows mike had 15 i had 16 mike would not dress up Mike kept coming in in baseball jerseys, and you know he's like, "I got to do me. I got to be comfortable on stage." And every the king, this is the kings of comedy. We're at Madison Square Garden, the form in L.A., United Center, Chicago. This is like and time, it's 90s. massive. And Steve those, Harvey, Bernie those dudes are up yeah. there between. They have three hundred and fifty buttons on their suits between. Yes, them. exactly. Like, come it's, on now, it's many buttons. Look on my uh, Comedy Central profile. See, no, I got eight buttons, <laughs> straight in a row, not double breasted. Um, <laughs> All the way up to your chin. Yeah, so so I had the suits. So I had the suits and the jokes. So they bumped him off the tour. Now, we get to Madison Square Garden, New York, his hometown. It was right before that show that he told him, I got to do me. He got bumped off the tour. So he was in the audience watching me open the Kings of Comedy, sold out Madison Square Garden. And that's the night when Jamie Foxx, Chris Rock, Everybody came. And if you look on my Instagram, there's a picture of me, the four kings, plus Jamie and Chris kicking it, you know, plus Claudia Jordan. She was one of the, the tag alongs. I mean, it's like, it's wild to think from, like, just because they, those folks are like, like giants and especially that special, the way that that, you know, mm -hmm. that that looks and the, the impact that that tour had. Um, I'm kind of mining for stories, but like, did they, was there any like particular funniness or dynamics or like stories from, being on the road, talk there. about this. Were you, were you there with uh with Steve Bomb that took off his toupee? No. <laughs> <laughs> There's a story where Steve Harvey bombed in Oakland, and he was so dejected that he took off his toupee back, and, and, back folded, the fro was and folded it up like a like a tam, you know, like, <laughs> oh, a, like, a, so like a like a like a like a like a beret, <laughs> like a beret. Um, but that was that was because he tried to headline that tour, and. Guy T was the ho the host. Guy Tory went he went by Guy T at the time. So Steve was trying to close behind Bernie and Sid. When they brought it back out, they revamped the tour. They got the sponsor from Crown Royal. Then they brought me on to open, and Steve was the host. And Bernie or Sid would would alternate as the closer. And so I mean, they threw a bottle at him in Oakland. It was like it was crazy. That's crazy. I feel like that's yeah. how you know you made it though. When someone in Oakland throws a bottle at you. <laughs> well, no, that's when you yeah. almost made it out alive. Yeah. Uh, but, 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 but the that, story that you was there for, what, 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 you got any of those? Like any personal? Like well, you know, I tell you what. I tell you what. There's 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 a known uh, fact that Bernie and Steve had a little friction during the tour, and Bernie says Steve was trying to undercut him for his role in Ocean Eleven and other things. And so Bernie and I had a personal relationship because we both from Chicago, and Bernie was proud of me getting the tour, and we would always talk. So what I would do anytime I did a joke on that tour, if one of the other comics did that same subject, if it was totally unrelated to my joke, I would omit the joke because they shouldn't have to say like Damon said earlier. Bam. So I take the joke out. But Bernie noticed that a lot of stuff I was doing, music bits, topics, Steve was doing. Mm. So he was like, you can't have nothing, can you? <laughs> you did the music, you took that. You did the uh, the thing, you took that. You know. So he's like, so me and Bernie had a really, if you look at Bernie's uh, documentary uh, on Comedy Central, uh -huh. they did, in the beginning of the documentary, he's walking off stage, okay? He walked off stage and he's, it's a slow motion walk from the stage and he stops. It's a group of people. He stops and specifically he daps me and he keeps going. I'm with Sinbad's brother, Mark, and a bunch of other cats and they, he walks past them because we had a, a, such right. a Chicago yeah, bond yeah. He was, on that tour. In a lot of ways, he was like, before the tour, he was a mentor to you, right? Bernie, uh, he, when Bernie Mac in Chicago put his hand on your shoulder and said, you did good, young man, that, mm -hmm. that was your stripe in Chicago. So when he had his Midnight Mac at Miltroneer's Comedy Club or Jazz Club, it was every Tuesday, when he would go on the road, he would let me host. And that's when I knew that he had confidence in what I did. And subsequently, right before he passed, I got a call from Bernie. I went to Shreveport and I performed. And he didn't make it to the show, but Sam Jackson, they were working on Soul Man. Right. Saw me perform, went back, said, man, your homeboy from Chicago ripped it, da-da-da-da. Bernie called me the next day, said, look, I'm working on this tour. I want you to come out on the road with me. We, I want to host it. I'm going to film it. It's going to be my retirement from stand-up. I also have a pilot for another sitcom. I might not be able to get you on the pilot, but... If they pick it up, I'm going to have them sit down with you. I'm going to read with you and let you know what they're looking for. I ain't guaranteeing you nothing. He said, you got to carry your own weight, pimp. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you what they're looking for. <laughs> and right after that, I was trying to do a tribute to him, and he passed. And, and uh, ironically, I had a uh, proclamation for Bernie Mac Day in the city of Chicago, state of Illinois, for August 15th on the year he died. 
that beat was the same day of his memorial service mm-hmm. because he passed away before we got a chance to do it. So we did do it the month later. Right, that's, that's crazy. So R.I.P. Bernie, Bernie for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, r- r- real quick, I, I, a, a question that mm-hmm. I want because because we're winding down is definitely at least one or two more topics we want to get cool, to. Cool, let's, cool. let's fast forward a little bit. More, you know, more accolades. You know, you 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 did a Comic View special. You did what eleven seasons of Comic View. True. Uh, you hosted some episodes at the Apollo Legendary. I follow Steve Harvey when he right. left. They let me. Yep. Um, but but you know now now you are a, a working traveling comedian. And a lot of those platforms that we're mentioning, the Def Jams and the in the Comedy Views, and even you know a, a King of Comedy type moment mm-hmm. has passed. Right. And, and there there aren't especially you know outside of probably church. There's nothing more segregated in America than, than comedy. Yeah. Uh, so and let me say, comedy is segregated by. Um, relatability not racism so to speak but okay go for it. but but and so there, there's not really for what we call black comedy um mm-hmm. the platform specifically on tv True. that it once was so so how um a, as you are in a place of of providence or stability in in the game how are you seeing your your now and your future as as you are you know hitting stages but but the you know the the, the marketplace has changed so to speak well now i mean social media is the platform i mean you have an opportunity to if you're funny in fact there are people that are not even stand up comics and not really funny if you bring them out to a live microphone but they have the vines and the the, the snippet humor and they become celebrities that way but if you're a comic you should post small portions of your act throughout the social media space because there is no television vehicle right now for you to get yourself out there and you got to work that muscle as hard as you can um also try to submit yourself to uh satellite radio uh, channels because not only will they play you you get residuals from that mm-hmm. so if i was a comic star now today what i would do is i get my instagram my twitter my my snapchat Thanks, you know man. all my social media and i would post parts of my material from my live performances on that and I would send it out as much as I can and try to and I would also I would do a mixtape like like people do mixtapes I would do a DVD and give it away everywhere I went I would give it away because people will start to spread your reputation and that's how you're going to get on because there is no comic viewed on Def Jam and things of that nature I feel like you know we've dug into a lot of really good advice throughout this time and I want to mm-hmm. on the thanks dad you know, on the, exactly <laughs> on, on, the, on the fatherhood end though um, you know looking at what Damon Jr. over here is doing. Like I'm thinking about, uh, are there any particular conversations? You know, as someone who's on the road mm-hmm. working, and I know y'all are super close. Like, do you have particular conversations or things that, like, you wanted to make sure, you know, that ten year old Damon knew about the world? Like, do you remember specific pieces of advice in Damon Jr.? Like, are there things you remember your dad saying to you that like wow. stuck with you? Pull out the violins. Mm. Boom. I'm gonna let the guests go first. Um, <laughs> my 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 thoughts that I've passed on to him is always to be his own person and to be a leader. Uh, Don't follow the herd. If you see trouble, go the other way. And that was one of my main things because even though his household was near Beverly, it was really the hood. And one mistake or false move in the hood can be a detrimental thing to the rest of your future and your life. So I always told him advice. My mother told me, if you see trouble, go the other way. If there's a fight breaking out, don't be in a circle watching the fight leave the fight because the fight can lead to bullets and the bullets don't have eyeballs and they could eventually be you. Even wound bullets. <laughs> Even wound bullets. <laughs> I got a wound bullet in my leg right now. <laughs> Self-inflicted. Accidental. Son. Really though? Yeah. Can you tell that story quick? I'm just curious. Yeah, back in my serving days, which guy told me, you know, man, if you're going to be a serve, you got to be a have your shit cocked already. Oops. Um, you <laughs> know, got you got to have it ready, you know, so... <laughs> I gave a little, did a little transaction. I had a thirty-two revolver, but I had a sweater vest jacket, <laughs> and it was like it was a jacket with Classic the sweater combo. Yeah, so I'm 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 pulling the thing out of my pocket, but it was cocked and it snagged on the sweater and it shot myself in the leg. <laughs> and the funny part is, luckily I curved to the left because it's my upper thigh, um, or I would have shot myself twice. Because if I shot off my thing, I'd have shot myself in the head. <laughs> and so I told the police because you know they have to investigate gunshots. I was like, I was taking my garbage out and somebody tried to rob me, and I jumped and he jumped and he shot me from behind and. and uh, he left, yeah. and they were like, "Yeah, right. You shot yourself." <laughs> um, I, I, but to, to answer the question, I think uh, w- one of the like you know f- f- things that like helped me, especially in like the work I'm doing now, is that um, you know m- my dad created a life for himself um, outside of the system in, in all ways that we mentioned. It's like we go through the story. So with that, he um, he had a very unique um, and independent view of how the world operated, and 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 you know he would always say, "Don't get caught in the matrix." 
Um, and so, so, you know, whether that be like people just driving in traffic that they don't have to, like where you could turn left and go through a side street. Uh, but I think in life, right, like that idea of not being caught in the matrix or not being caught in the traffic jam with the rest of the, the fish swimming up, swimming upstream. Um, even when I was in school, you know, even at, though I was in private school, you know, like still being rebellious and still realizing that, you know, school 100% had its limitations and, 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 you know, the pathway that people cut out for you, um, is limited. Um, and so with that, you gotta, you gotta be independent in your thinking. Um, and so just, you know, riding around the South side, he would just point out the way things were, um, in a way that was, that was real language. Um, so, you know, as I'm now kind of like talking about these things in public, I have the ability to, to have, you know, the private school educated language, but also just talk to people on like, yo, this is not right <laughs> because, you know, pops always gave me those eyes. Um, so I've always been very appreciative. Uh, we, we got a, we got a few minutes left. Uh, I think we're going to skip the game. Uh, cause, cause I just want to, I just want to talk to you, but, but real quick, a segment. I know I'm sorry. <laughs> I was a, a fan of the game real quick before, before I'll we come back. We'll yeah, do the game yeah, yeah, later. Six months, eight months. You know. uh, first of all, with this WHPK, we almost out of here. Ergo radio. We're here with Damon Williams. Definitely buy your tickets for new year's Eve at the star plaza. Damon Williams comedy. Badge. Star plaza theater. Real quick. On the spot. Buy three, get one free this week. Any era. Okay. You have to have beef with an R&B singer. Who would it be? Beef with an R&B singer. Any era. Singer. Current to Motown. Uh, give me, give or me one. pre-Motown if all you right. want to go all the way back. I'm going to go with, I'm gonna go with um, Rockwell. Because he was Barry Gordy's son. Somebody's uh, watching. Yeah, I always feel like somebody's watching. But he didn't sing. He just talked on it, and his father got him Michael Jackson for the hook. And you that should is not have a Michael Jackson on the hook. I that's Michael Jackson. Always sound yeah, like Mike. That's Michael Jackson. That's not Rockwell. That's the way the record sold because Mike was so white hot at the time. Whoa, that Rockwell. They got me. I'm like, how did this Dad? I need a song, and my first like single, Michael I need Jackson. Michael Jackson on it. You thought that your dad hooked you up with like connections and stuff like that. His dad got <laughs> yeah, Michael, Michael Jackson, Jackson on, on the record. track. Right, <laughs> crazy. How about that? So, so, so while we're uh, in a, the the story is so interesting, <laughs> I wanted to get to this this point with a little bit more time, but I feel okay. it needs to be addressed while we have microphones in our face. We're brief. We're talking about beef, and we and we're about that action, but we're also restorative. Um, yeah, we Black Lives know, Matter. Yeah, yeah, we're restorative here. So, so um, this I think it was this week or last week. I I, I was pretty startled uh, to hear a, a long time, let's say, colleague. In the game, you know what, um, and that's that's the only thing to call him is a colleague because I did consider this individual yeah, a, friend. a friend. But 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 you know, C Corey Holcomb, who's now grown to, to to prominence, right? Like, was talking out the side of his neck, uh, and, and, and you know, I have all type of opinions, and I don't want to I don't want to get going, right? Because uh, you know, you, you, there's a line you can't cross when you're talking about somebody's parent. Yeah. Uh, but but I'm gonna give you the space to, you know, we only got like two three minutes left. Well, uh, but, here's but the thing. If, if I did something to someone and I injured them financially, personally, um, emotionally somehow, I would own that and I would say, okay, he has a right to do that. But this dude came for me out of pure either envy or hate and stated lies. He said, <laughs> uh, we had a show at the Horseshoe Casino. Now, check this out. Uh, December 4th, Horseshoe Casino. Me, Gary Owens, Ricky Smiley, J. Anthony Brown... Mark Curry, Corey Holcomb, all right? Corey was under the uh, impression that he sold out the horseshoe and that he told the people that I begged to do a guest spot, which is a free set on a show in Chicago. Now, everybody know I ain't got a big to get on stage in Chicago if any place else. But he also went on to say I, we, we were scared to come out of Chicago because we worried about somebody having sex with a woman. And um, he called me a, a B word a couple times and said I tried to keep him off Comic View when everybody knows I did the Comic View auditions. And I got 25 people on that show three years in a row from Chicago based on a one tape that as opposed to sending an individual audition tape, let's send one Chicago tape. And we all came up. Um, so I just want to say about that. It was uncalled for. It was unwarranted. I'm not nobody's B. Um, I ain't going to beef with this dude about this, but he's a miserable individual. He's going through some things, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, I, just, I mean, I, I told a, a joke. I'm in, the, I'm in the hallway. You with me. You're yeah, selling DVDs. Yeah. I'm saying stuff like DVDs, two for 10, get them. DVDs, no abortion jokes. Corey Holcomb does abortion jokes. People walking out on him. And uh, so I'm like, you know, as a as a joke, it's a dig, but it ain't no hate. But it's a joke know? about jokes. A, a joke Isn't about it? his jokes, okay? Um, <laughs> and, but he told everybody I begged to get on the show with him, and I could have made it and all that. Let me say something. 
I don't know what he's doing with his family. I don't know where his daughter is and how he's raising her, if he is. But I stay in Chicago, and this is what I created. And now I'm in here, okay, at a radio show with an activist, social guy, poet, movie star, um, good all-around dude, a and prominent Daniel. student. And Daniel. Yeah, and, and Daniel. Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that my record stays my record stands for itself. People know how many comics I've helped in Chicago. He said Chicago he said he wasn't helping Chicago comics because they coming at him like we starving and begging. So here's my thing. I don't tell you how to spend your money, but if I saw Corey Holcomb on the flyer in Chicago, after he said Chicago comics suck and we need to get our life together, I wouldn't spend that dollar. Man. That's a <laughs> really in the holiday spirit. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I no, agree with that. I mean, I'm not gonna say much because I, I will probably take it further. Oh, and he's uh, coming on the show next week. <laughs> Please put him in here. But uh, thank you so much for yes. for By being the way, here. I reached out to him personally. Um, I reached out to him personally. I didn't uh, go online and blast him, and we had a conversation, and it was very civil on that, but it was not good in yeah. public. So we gotta sh- we gotta shut that down. Yeah. So. This is Ergo Radio. That was my dad, Damon Williams. Corey Holcomb. Ah, ah I got some. Yeah, yeah. That this yeah, is pops. It's much love. Merry, happy holidays. Merry fake Christmas, Christmas to everybody. Merry fake Christmas. Go, go by Paul Hall. <laughs> go by Paul Hall Center and donate some turkeys and hams and stuff. They need that because uh, back in the day, my mother, we actually had to get food from them, so I took food to them. That's love. That's love. Love to everybody. Much love to the city. Uh, um, we're gonna have a special New Year's today? show for you next week. We'll talk to you then. New Year's Eve. Star Plaza Theater. Star Plaza Theater. Theater. How much? What, how much they start for? $25 and $25. $40. Go get them. <laughs> Peace, y'all. Much love. <laughs>